just recently, I was invited to be a guest on the Drum History podcast hosted by Bart Vanderzee. And uh, Bart just posted it yesterday. And it's now live on, on his site, which is, again, the Drum History Podcast. It's episode number 135. You can uh, download it. I, I hope you'll check it out. Um, it was a pleasure to do it. Bart's a, a great guy. And, and I, I want to, if you're not aware of this podcast, I want to tell everybody about it. It's really fantastic. He's interviewed a lot of really great people. Um, I don't know why he wanted to have me there, but there's some great guys and gals on there. Uh, so check it out. Drum History Podcast, easy to find. Just just type that in your browser. You'll find it. Lots and lots of great episodes on there. And Bart does a great job. So um, I want to thank him if he's watching for having me last week. I had a great time. And uh, I hope you enjoy that episode. So I think that's all the housekeeping I have for the moment. Um, so here we go. I'm going to go ahead and bring on my guest. Uh, once again, thank you for watching today. This is episode 68 live from my drum room with my very special guest, Jerry Brown. So please welcome my very good friend, Jerry Brown. And we got, yeah, yeah. good, good to see you, Jerry. Good to see you. It is great to see you, man. Great to see you, man, and, and thank you. Oh, thank you, thank you for doing this, and and uh, especially knowing now, you know, you got a pretty busy schedule. So I appreciate you fitting this in today. And I, I, maybe maybe we should tell everybody you're kind of in between right now. Jerry's um, at the Long Island Drum Center, where he's yes. imparting many, many, many decades of knowledge onto drummers of all shapes and sizes and styles and uh, all shapes and styles sizes and you know kind of like you know i was blessed with the gift so i gotta pass it on man i love that yeah and you always have you know i it, it, i wanted to start the conversation and this is perfect because i wanted to talk about when we first met um i i remember probably better than you because it was so exciting for me to meet you. It was 1985 when I moved to LA to work for Simmons. You were playing with Lionel Richie at the time, and we booked you for a big clinic tour. And you were so busy. You had, I remember Dave Levine gave me the project. He said, we've got to get Jerry during this time because it's the only time he has off the road. And uh, it was an exciting time. And I remember meeting you that first time. And I thought I was meeting like a power forward for the Lakers, <laughs> let alone one of the greatest drummers in the world, because <laughs> you're about a foot taller than me. But, uh, but uh, you know, I, I just, we've been friends ever since. And, and uh, we've, been, we've been really, really good friends for a long time. And it's, it's, man, you know, that there, there are not many that you can count, you know, on your, you know, hands and stuff like that, you know, just really, Great friends, great people, you know, top of the top. Likewise, my friend, likewise. I, I, I remember us, you know, I, I felt like when I met you, I'd known you forever. Like we hit it off instantly and, and, uh, and, and it, it grew from there. And 
you know, I, and I, that was in the summer of 85. And then I remember that following, this is stuff I, it all, it's like ingrained in my brain, Jerry, that following NAM show in uh, January out in LA at, I was still working for Simmons and you came, we had a big display. We had people demoing the, the, the product and you came up and played. It was the first time I'd actually had a chance to see you play other than, you know, maybe messing around at the shop there and to see you do your thing. It was like mind blowing. Just my, it still is all these years later, but the first time you see it, it's like, Oh my God. You know? Um, Thank you, man. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. You know, just kind of, you know, it's been passed on from, you know, from the ancestors. So I'm just doing my thing and now I'm pass I'm passing it on. That's beautiful. So so let's talk about that. I know you you've been playing a long, long time since you were really young, born in Philly, right? Yes. Born and raised in Philly. And and I gotta think the Philly sound was a big influence growing up that was I mean, oh, you well, the- not only a bit, uh, uh yes absolutely an influence but but there's something that i don't think many people know and that is and and this is this is on a you know on another level my my mom and dad they 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 love to dance so make this short they used to go to the savoy ballroom in new york my mom was pregnant. She told me I was pregnant with you wow. and your dad was taking me up there to the Savoy Ballroom. I, I absolutely so I no, I, from the inside, man. Yeah, man. Absolutely. No, I have no doubt. That's, that's it, man. That's, I mean, there's, you, you hear of these, these situations like that where the music was introduced to you in the womb and, and, and there it is, you know, I mean, it's like you came out with it, ready made ready to go <laughs> oh, you know, that's beautiful so, yes yes but uh yes definitely that you know those things from philadelphia you know as as in many places uh in america in 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 major cities you know you could actually say man man there must be something in the water yeah you know but anyway in my case philadelphia well i mean no one no one how you know roughly your age and knowing what that scene was like it when you were coming up as a player. I mean, it was like the, the perfect storm for being like in all that great music that was happening at that time. It had to be it was such a, a great time. Storm and, and this is a time when um, uh, it was a real you, you know, music education in, in the school system. And that's where I met Stanley Clark. Yes. Yeah. At 12 years old. And they had it in Philadelphia, like all these uh, organizations, all city orchestra and band, and elementary, junior high school, and high school. So I met Stanley at 12 years old. We were, you know, we, we grew up in different places in the city. However, uh, those, those uh, groups would get together on Saturday afternoons and then just by chance talking with him and, you know, finding out, you know, you know, he's telling me who he's listening to. I tell him who I'm listening to. It's like, well, you know, let's try and get together or something like that. And, and, and then it started these, you know, these, you know, these uh, 
uh, really special moments where we you could actually get in a room, you know, yeah. just, you know, uh, maybe a three piece kit, <laughs> a pride symbol, one hi hat, uh, 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 and I think it was a swing one sparkle kit, and, and, you know. So yeah. I'm trying to I'm trying to emulate who I'm hearing, yeah, and, you know, and and yes, I I was taking lessons, you know, and and the lessons were from the from the classical side. Uh, uh, a, a wonderful woman whose father was a percussionist in the ballet Russe, and but he wasn't in town. And her name is Elaine Watts, and she was going to Curtis uh, uh, Institute in, in Philadelphia. So I started studying with her, and then later on, then I start I studied with uh, Alan Abel from the Philadelphia Orchestra. So oh, I yeah. had the classical yeah. thing, but I was always hearing you know, the records that my dad and my mom would buy. Yeah. And, yeah. And, trying to emulate. And and who were some of the guys, Jerry, who were some of the drummers as a young drummer that you, that you were listening to trying to emulate? And I think one of the, one of the first things I heard was uh, Cozy Cole. Yeah. Topsy. Yeah. Yeah. One. So, so I heard that. And then, and then the, just the, 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 the killer for me was uh, Art Blakey. And I heard the song, blues march and you know just listen to his solo and he did a press roll that just sounded for me it's like oh i'll never be able to do this and i i, I think i think uh, i actually kind of like started crying and my dad said what's the matter what's the matter what's the matter said, man i'll never be able to play a role like that <laughs> I'm paying for those lessons, man. Just keep practicing, keep practicing. So big influence. And, and, and then this other thing, in, and I don't know if this happened in other cities, but in Philadelphia, in the section that I lived in West Philly, th there was there was the, the, the Elvin Jones crowd. Yeah. And Stanley lived in Roxburgh. It was the Tony Williams crowd. Dig. So, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, man. You know, I'm, I'm hearing this stuff, and then, and then, uh, uh, there, there was a program that, uh, you know, a precursor to the to sixty minutes, but it, it you know, uh, it was a music program, and then, then you know, I saw Miles and, and and Jimmy Cobb, you know, with you know with the band, and it's like, man, I'm listening to that, and then, then Joe Morello saw that. And then uh, Lionel Hampton, and then yeah. Lionel was doing that, and then like spinning the sticks. It's like, oh, <laughs> oh, that's another thing. Yeah, oh, that, that's another thing. <laughs> you know, so and and then uh, getting older, and, and then I then I I saw like a couple of uh, clips of uh, Keith Moon, oh. and I mean, now I wasn't yeah. knocking over the kids. But sometimes he every, every once in a while, it's like, yeah, yeah. Oh, see, I didn't know that. So that he had he had an influence on you, like your your showmanship part of it. Yep. Yeah. Wow, that's so cool, man. What a what a what a great what a you know a great foundation. You know, you had all these different influences just sort of all pouring in and. Uh, and I love the I love the whole thing of like the Elvin side of town and the Tony side of town and like the two worlds colliding, you know, like yeah, <laughs> I know, man.
And so, yeah, so yeah, yeah, that was intense. So, yeah, you know, uh, many times, you know, I, I, you know, just as a teenager, whatever, you know, you wanted to go and, you know, hang with the, you know, hang with the guys and things like that. But that didn't really happen because all these other influences were going on and being aware of the time. And in this case, uh, 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 middle-class row houses. And it's like, I knew that I had between like maybe three o'clock and five 30, you know, to practice. And, yeah. and then, and then people coming home from work and, and although they would be nice, you know, it's like, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, 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 Mr. Brown, can, yeah, can you tell Jerry? <laughs> <laughs> so I yeah, had to no, fit it in. Yeah. I, I understand. Yeah. No matter how great, it was sounded. I'm sure the neighbors coming home from work were like, ah, you know, yeah. <laughs> hey, Jerry, I have to tell you. So there's a lot of folks watching, a lot of our old friends, and Wes Falconer from Explorers Percussion in uh, Kansas oh, City says, great. Jerry was the, love it, Jerry was the first Explorers Percussion drum clinic back in 1986. So, wow. How about that? How about that? Yeah. Thanks for watching. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks, Wes. Thanks for, for, couple of guys. Um, a guy that I introduced you to, I think I introduced you at a NAMM show a few years ago, Rich Farago, who makes the um, yes. the bass drum beaters. Yeah, he's watching. He says hello. Yes, so. yes, 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 yes. Yeah. Yeah. Great um, guy, man. Great guy. beaters. Yeah, great guy. He's a great guy, that Rich. Um, man, so, so, um, so you and Stanley, I knew you had this long history as teenagers. You guys started playing. And then did you guys move to get moved to New York? together or at the same time no no uh, we, we were in college together uh, this college is now called university of the arts mm -hmm. uh, but at that time it was called philadelphia music academy and we okay. were yep. we, we were students there um the i think the dean of the the dean of the school uh, mark Siani, he was there at that time uh the bassist uh, john lee was there uh alfonso johnson wow. also from philadelphia he was there so anyway you know we've been you know stanley and i you know and you know john lee we've been playing together and then all of us and stanley was just making major strides so i think in 1971 uh, he started leaving college and he got the call to play with, uh, I think, Horace Silver. So mm -hmm. then he was kind of gone. Uh, and then in, in, in uh, 1972, uh, my friend John Lee and I, we, we used to uh, uh, religiously go see Herbie Hancock whenever he came into Philadelphia. And, you know, I'm watching Billy Hart. Billy Hart. Oh yeah. So, yeah. so um, he he and Buster Williams, you know, it's like man, you're just looking, looking, and uh, <laughs> so so John brought up to uh, Herbie's like man, you know any gigs and things like that happening? Blah, 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 blah. And he said, yeah, I know I have a flautist, a Dutch flautist, Chris Henze. He's kind of looking for you know rhythm section. So John started correspondence with him. Uh, he made a tape in which I played on the tape. And then so the flautist said, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
You sound good on bass. Oh, yeah, by the way, tell the drummer he can come too. Oh, man. So, <laughs> he, 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 here, here's, here's where everything started to part. And it's like, you know, having that conversation with mom and dad is like, you know, I, I'm having fun in college, but you know what? I think I'm going to have this opportunity. And, you know, my mom. You know, oh, yeah. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> do you know what you're doing? Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, it's Jerry when everything is good, but but when it goes, Gerald. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, I do. So, lived lived in Europe for a couple of years, which was a great experience. And right, boy, did I did I have opportunity there to practice? And uh, yes, part yeah. of the journey. And. And and I'm sure that that really helped you just pull it all together, and then and then you came back, came back, yep. yeah. And that's when and things then, really. Then, uh, in uh, 1975, I think Al uh, Alphonse Muzam was playing uh, with Larry Coyle on the 11th house, and then I think he was also uh, about to do some things with Weather Report. Mm-hmm. So he left Larry, and I took Alphonse's place. Yeah, <clears throat> and just a quick story. Uh, yeah, we played. We played. I, th- I think it was a gig at. I want to say Carnegie Hall with Larry, and I, I remember you know, PBC. You know, Alphonse, Alphonse. You know, so I'm doing the gig. For, you know, first gig at and Alphonse. That's not Alphonse. That's not it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Anyway, so it worked out. Yeah. Oh man, that's great. Uh Alphonse, what a what a beautiful soul. Yes, beautiful yeah, soul. Rest, rest his soul, man. Uh um Russell Russell Battalene says, I will never forget seeing Jerry playing with Chick Curry at the Roxy in LA. He was playing a set of North drums and playing Chick's material expertly. All the while, twirling sticks like a magician. Absolutely mind-blowing. Well, thank you, Russell. Thank you, Russell. So, yeah. so I, I, I want to bring up something to you because I know you, 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 you knew about this. And I'm, I'm sure you was even there. Frank Ippolito's professional percussion. Yeah. In New York. And that was like... You see Papa Joe there. You see Elvin, Tony, Max. It's like, yeah, yeah. It was like drum nirvana. It was the spot. Yeah, yeah. Kind of come in humble. So, and it was there that I bought fives because at that time, Billy Cobbin was was making had a huge footprint. Yeah. And then I saw the North drums. And it's like, Dad. <laughs> I know I'm back from Europe and I did well and stuff, but I I need a little loan. <laughs> you know, I, I got some North drums and that was, you know, with 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 uh, uh with with Chick, God rest the soul, and yeah. Stanley and um and also, you know, the school days thing happened. And uh, 
And, and by the way, a little shout out to my friend, uh, another friend, uh, uh, Paul Jameson. And it was uh, a kit yeah. that Jameson had that uh, I used on uh, Music Magic with Chicory. Yeah, J- Paul Jameson, he's, he's got he's stuff. He's, I know. Yeah. Jamo's the man. He's, was it, was it a Gretsch kit? Do you remember Jerry? Was it, I know he has a lot of Gretsch. He likes. It was either a Gretsch or, or Ludwig. Or Ludwig. Yeah. And, and jumping back to the North set that you bought, was it a full, like, a, were, were, was it an entire North set with a regular? Yeah, so I, so I had a two 10 inch Tom's a 12 and uh, the the standing toms were two fourteens. Wow! And and that bass drum, which was like, I guess it was a, a twenty or twenty two. Yeah. But you know, it looked great. Sound. However, I think at that time for that shape of those drums, they didn't really have the cases to go with them. All so right. the people that were, you know, I was fortunate enough that I didn't have to move it. But I think the people that removed them for me in these cases with Chicken Stanley, I don't think they had really, really that, really the happiest time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Jerry, you're a great man, but these drums, man. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. But yeah, man, trying to get a whole set of those things around must have been really on the crew. Yeah, not fun. Not fun at all. By the way, our friend Michael White says, hey, my brothers. All right. Big Mike. love to Mike White. Yeah. Mike White. Yeah, man. Yes. Yeah. He, <clears throat> Mike White is the man. Um, so so it's now, you know, the 70s and 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 you're just you're you're working with still working with Stanley or working at, at, at a point you were working with Chick, too. I think, yes. Right. Yeah. Yes. So, so that's, that's, you know, that was going on. And then, uh, like in 1979, uh, uh, while I was in Los Angeles, uh, someone from the brothers Johnson saw me and I had an audition with them. And I, and this was in a period where, they had had a lot of success with Quincy, Quincy Jones as producer, but they was they were starting to move away from Quincy and take on mm-hmm. other people. So yeah. I, I did that for I did that for maybe a year or so, uh, and um, then all of a sudden people from Europe called me again. So I went back to Europe, and I was I was living. And uh, at that time, for six months, uh, West Berlin, and I was uh, uh, they in in Germany. The radio stations they they had yeah the classical stuff, but they had jazz productions. Yeah. Doing a lot of jazz productions, and then I got uh, connected with people in Hamburg. So I was doing a lot of jazz productions. So that went on like eighty two. And in 83. So from what I mentioned uh, of the Brothers Johnson, mm. there was a gentleman there, God rest his soul, Wilbert Terrell. And Wilbert, he had my number. 
So I'm in Europe, and this is like in the summer, just beginning of the summer of 83. And the, the, the North German radio station, and they are, okay, so they're, they're on summer break. So I'm going home to see my parents. So I take a flight home, going to see my parents. So they pick me up at the airport, and then my mom says, hey, Gerald. Uh, there's a gentleman, Wilbur Terrell, who called, and I told him you were coming in from Europe. And he said, please give him a call when you get in. Oh, okay. That's, that's nice. Get home. So I call Wilbur Terrell. Wilbur, what's going on? Hey, guy. Hey, you just back from Europe? Yeah, yes, yes. What's going on? Uh, I'm going to be working with Lionel Richie. Lionel's work. Lionel's going solo. Mm. Oh. Um, he's going to have the auditions for his band. Oh. <laughs> you like to try out? Yes. <laughs> okay, so, so, so what's the deal? Okay, so Wilbert says, and here it comes, says, I can get you a one-way ticket to LA. One way. Mm. <laughs> Just a little pressure. That's a little okay. pressure. <laughs> a pressure. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, when do you when did you need me to get out there? Can you come out tomorrow? I knew it. <laughs> yes, I can. And you're jet lagged from coming in from Europe and Man. Yeah, and then, and then right away, then then all of a sudden, it's like everything gets ramped up immediately. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so next day, out to Los Angeles. Ten days and three auditions later, I had to get. Wow. And Man. and and but also uh, at the audition was Jonathan Moffat, Sugarfoot. Oh, yes. So that just worked out. But on the other hand, for him, yeah. hey, he went on to do Michael. Right, right, so, exactly. So he, he, oh, oh, yeah, and yes, and yeah, he was kind of there during this time with the... Uh, uh, was he with Cameo? Oh, with the Johnson and stuff. So oh, anyway, yeah, yeah he yeah. was, yeah, he, he was on the scene. Yeah. Yeah. So I so I got the so I got the gig. So okay, so for one of these four year four year information, you know, I don't know if it ever anyone really really realized it, but at that time in the eighties, Teddy Pendergrass could do no you know, do no wrong. Mm. And Lionel was doing the Commodores. However, when Teddy had that unfortunate accident, he had that car accident, and he was he was paralyzed. Mm -hmm. and when that happened, Lionel said, "Yeah, yeah, that's what happened." And so that and that was 1983. 1983. 83. That's when you and, and so when I two years later, 85. I'm just when I met you out there. Did you just? Stay out there after that audition. You got the gig, and you just moved to LA at that point. Yep, that that, that, that's what happened. I, you know, it's like stuff that I had in an apartment. 
Hamburg. Hey, hey, whoever wants that, you got it. <laughs> yeah. So, and then so, so, and then in Lionel's band, uh, um, Greg Fillingaines, he was the MD. Yeah. Uh, Carlos Rios was playing bass. Uh, Henry Davis, God rest his soul, he was, uh, 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 Carlos Rios was playing guitar, Henry Davis was playing bass, and this beautiful, kick-ass female percussionist by the name of Sheila E. Sheila was in that band? I didn't realize she that. Was, she, was in that, she was in that first band. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Man. I just heard from Sheila the other day. She's going to be in Boston this Saturday uh, at City Winery. Yeah, she, she invited Kelly and I to come, and I said, I'll, we're kind of staying, not to detract from your your show here, but but I, I told her I'd let her know we're kind of staying indoors these days. But please send 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 my love and, and I will, yeah, respect to her. Yes, yeah. so so yes, yeah, she was in the band, but not for long because Prince saw her, and uh, yeah, yeah, I know, I know. Well, that's right because '84 she joined Prince's band and then had a great solo career after that, and and uh, wow, man, I, I love that all these. You, everybody's so interconnected. It's it's great. It's all connections, man. Yeah. You know, and and I I just I just want to just want to say within these stories, you you know, it's like you know you meet people, and you know you meet great musicians, and you know I'm very blessed and fortunate, but there's beside the playing thing, there's also those people skills and how, yeah. how to read people. And I think that it's all connected. Yeah. Yep. And do you, Jerry, when you, during your teaching, do you emphasize that as well? I mean, I'm, I know you, yes, I do. You yeah. do. That's great. Yeah. And, and I, I figured you did. I mean, that's because, you know, the, the people that you've played with, uh, it's like, it's the cream of the crop, you know, and, and, and people don't get those gigs if they don't have all those components, you know, I mean, a lot of great players out there, no doubt. You're one of them, but you got to have those those people chops, like you say. Those those you know, getting along on the bus, getting along in the bandstand. Yeah, you know, you you know, you you're representing yourself. You know, you yeah. you're representing whose name is on the marquee or whatever, and you know, with 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 the other band members, and so yeah, you know, it's yeah. it's it's a team. Well, if if we can jump ahead, I know we're kind of in the '80s now, but I'd love to jump ahead to the. Yeah, jump ahead. I'm sorry, man. No, no, this is this is great, man, and, and people are digging it. You got a lot of great comments here, um, but to jump ahead to the early '90s when you're playing with a, a phenomenal musician by the name of Stevie Wonder, and I I I'd think everybody, I know I would. I just would love to hear some of your. You've, you've told me a lot of this stuff when we've hung out, but just what that must have been like, because, and I'll shut up after this, but to me, Stevie is one of the greatest drummers on the planet. I mean, just, right? I mean, he he's, he's so you're playing drums in his band, and I just, I'd love to know what that was like and how, did he ever offer direction on things? Did he, did he just kind of let you do your thing and, and. 
No. Uh, okay. So. Okay. And how how did you how did how did you come about getting the gig with Stevie? Okay. That's, so okay, yeah. so, so that's just where I was going to start. So. I'm playing with another great musician, uh, starting in, in 1988. I'm playing with George Benson. Right. Sorry to so, skip over George so, Benson. Oh man. So so. George Benson. So I'm, 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 I'm on that gig. And then in 1991, I remember meeting Nate Watts, who is Stevie's bassist and musical music director. Mm -hmm. So he and Stevie's half brother, Milton Hardaway, they came to a couple of Benson gigs. I I I want to say in maybe September October, I got a call about an audition with Stevie. Well, okay, well I know his music, but there's so much music, you know. So, so, so no, I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to you know listen to everything, listen to everything, listen to everything. So then it comes. Then I then I hear okay, well it's going to be on on this day, but it's going to happen at it's going to happen at at at, at midnight. Ah, midnight. Oh, oh, okay. So <laughs> do I need to bring anything? No, no, no. Just bring your sticks and yourself. Okay. So go to where to Stevie's recording studio. And they're 11.30, warming up, warming up. 12. One. Oh, man. Two. Three o'clock, he comes in. Hey, everybody, hey, how you doing? Hey, what's going on? What's going on? Where's that Jerry Brown at? Where's that Jerry Brown? Um, uh, Stevie, yes, Jerry Brown. So, so we'll do that. So, cool. Okay. Come on, come on, let's go in the studio and stuff like that. You, you ready to play? Yeah, I'm ready to play. So I'm waiting for him to call any one of his, you know. Yeah. Catalog, yeah. He didn't call any of that. <laughs> he just started playing, and I'm, I'm joining in. Nate Watts is there. Then, then he'll change the tempos. Sometimes the odd tempos. He was... In conclusion, he wanted to know, yeah, every direction he wanted to go. I got, it. yeah, I'm I'm watching it. I'm listening to him, and that was that was, again, it's it's humorous, but it's true. In his case, yeah, you could have a set list, but. Which, what was typical of him, it, it still is, he'll play a song and then he'll break it down. And then he'll engage the audience. Now, the next song he may want to play is, is not on the set list. But it's typical of him, he's just going to segue into that too. And you got four bars. <clears throat> so it's like a jazz gig. Yeah, I was and, gonna say. And, yeah. and, and and here's the humorous part. It's like 
And what are you going to tell a blind man? <laughs> yeah, exactly. tell him That's it. So, yeah, that would go on for, you know, two, two and a half hours. Wow. There, were, there was always a moment in the show, which I, I, I figured out soon enough that he's going to do like 20 minutes and he's just going to, you know, vocals, playing piano and stuff like that. That's the time you better go to the bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> better do that because <laughs> that's the work, man. Worst thing you you trying to play? <laughs> yeah, we've all. Oh, I know. <laughs> so, uh, so that's how the, that's how the gigs were. Yes, in the in the, in the rehearsals, it's like you're staying true to a lot of those patterns. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. There's a little leeway, you know, to do a little something, but it's like. You're just like that's the lane that you're in. Yeah. Yeah. It's not closed like that, but it's like you're in that lane. So it's like you staying true to that, to what whatever that groove is. And as you know, some of the, you know, that a lot of some of that is him. Yeah. Yeah. People didn't know that's you know, superstition. That's him. Yeah. So that that was uh uh what was going on in playing his music. Um, and, uh, there were often many times, uh, at a sound check that the, he'd have his, uh, a person, personal assistant there. We've done sound check and then he'd stand up and the person would come. And then I see him working his way, coming back to the drum set. Mm. So it's like, Oh, here he comes. Here he comes. <laughs> I have to stand up, you know, and, come up on the riser and he sits down. And then I, then my, so Stevie, do you know where everything is? Do you know where everything is? I know where everything is. <laughs> I'll bet he did too. I'll bet he did. Oh, and did he just Fix play the shit out of it? He just, yeah. and then, and then he played for like 10 to 15 minutes. And then that's all he wanted. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. That uh, I, I, you know, didn't film any of that, but he is a formidable drummer. Yeah, you know when I actually when I when I um, it was after we met. I was working for DW. You remember after Simmons, I was working for DW. We had the Dynacord stuff for a while, and, and we were working together on that too. And um, and one time Stevie came. This could have been eighty seven, eighty eight. Stevie came to the booth. And got behind a Dynacord set, and then got behind a DW acoustic set, and he had his his assistant with him, and he in fact was making sure no one people had you know camcorders in those days if you remember you know, about this big, and people were trying to video, and the guy was telling them you know no video, no video, but I got to hear that one time anyway. I got to witness Stevie behind the drums, and it was. For me, it was otherworldly, man, just to see him sit down behind a kit that he had never sat behind before. And as you said, you know, do you know where everything is? He played it like he had been playing it his whole life. I mean, it was just amazing. Just, uh, you, you know, we, oh, oh, 
yeah, maybe he didn't have his sight, but every other sense within him is so, so sharp. And, yeah. and, and just something that I, that I, I saw it so many times, uh, like at, at rehearsals, uh, where one of, one of the other keyboard players playing whatever song we're playing. And, uh, at the end of the song, Stevie would say, you know, that's not the right patch on that, on the keyboard. It should be patch number 58 or wow. something. It's like, yeah, I believe it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I do. I, I believe it, man. I, I, you're right. And I'll, I'll bet, I'll bet if you, I mean, he let, he let you, like you said, he, he left your lane wide enough for you to veer a little bit away from exactly what he played, but I'll bet if you got a little, a little too wide in that lane, you know, he'd come back and say, you know, Jerry, what I played on that part was a 16th note, man. You know, that wasn't, I, I don't know. You know what I mean? I could imagine him knowing every bar of everything he ever played. And yes. Yeah, so uh, and, and one thing that I heard a few times, you know what job security is about? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, oh, he must have loved having you, though. He, I mean, how could he not? I mean, hey, just it was love uh, having. It was, you know, you know, to 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 play those songs and then this and, and you know and see the reaction from the people and then realize it's like, man, those songs you heard from you know a long time ago. You you're playing. You know, some some people would call consider Stevie like Mozart, of, yeah. of, of you know of of uh, pop and and R and B music and stuff. Yeah, so. yeah, absolutely. I, I, of that genius level, I I would agree. You know, as a composer, as a as a musician, as someone who you know could could play all the instruments, write the music. Yeah, yep. amazing. And so I was just for you know like a drummer geeky question. I'm always curious to know, like, was he, was he pretty finicky about the tempos? Like, did he, did he, I'm guessing he was, but, but I'm, I, I know your time is insanely great. So you never had any issues where he'd say, Jerry, I wanted a little faster. I wanted a little slower. He never, he never, he never, not so much that he had a, an issue, but it would go through Nate Watts. So uh, because Nate was so in tune with him. So I noticed that when he didn't have, I think, much sleep, mm -hmm. tempos would, would be a, a little slower. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. When he, had, when he was getting his rest, you know, it, it was up there. So, 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 so Nate, Nate would do the signs from Nate. So it's like mm -hmm. if if it's if you know uh if it needs to be up a little bit, Nate would do the, Nate would do one of these. I did. Okay. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And, and and then when it's grooving, it's fine. If 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 I need to back it up. Okay. <laughs> Subtle. Keep your eyes open, man. Yeah. You know, don't just you know, no, man. You gotta you gotta survey 
all the time. More great then, advice. Yeah. You know, yep. and then and then then when you see, you know, when you see in Stevie, you know, he started to get into some of these these moves and things like that. And it's like, oh, oh man, you know. Those moments, man. Those yep. those yeah. And would you get would you characterize your style, Jerry, as um playing kind of more behind the beat than on the beat or would you or would you not would you say it depends on you know certain songs you play on the beat because i i I think of your playing as being so relaxed and not way behind the beat but a little bit behind the beat just that kind of like a little bit and 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 um god rest his soul he is so missed jeff precaro oh yeah yeah yes yeah exactly yeah that same kind but, of but relaxed. but nobody I don't very few could you know, how how he could be behind the beat but it, but it was it's it was yeah. still moving it is just magic he manipulated it, the and, and, I and, yeah. and I thank yeah. Paul Jameson for introducing me to him and I got to hang out with Jeff and I mean he he was a he was a mentor to me yeah really yeah. a mentor. And you know, anyway, yeah, he's yeah. he was the, he he was the guy, really, the guy for me. And, and there are other great drummers, but he just had this this magic. And yeah, and I, I'm, there are many times where I I would you know, either songs that I played with Diana, or or when I was you know playing with Stevie, where it's like I'm, <laughs> I'm 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 thinking Jeff. Yeah. How would how would Jeff do this? You know, so yeah. so so for you to say, yeah, you, I'm a little bit. Thank you. Uh, I'm honored that you say that, and thank you, thank you. Well, that's beautiful that you mentioned Jeff. Yeah, you're right. I and I, I didn't I didn't draw that line right away, but you're absolutely right. It reminds me so much of the way Jeff would he would create that tension by sitting behind the beat and just you know, like you say, it, it would. It would still be in time. It would still be the beat would be the beat, but it would just just make you want to kind of as opposed to, to, to the beat being here. It was like rounds. Yeah, yeah. Like, well, yeah. where's the beat at? Where's it? There yeah. it is, right in yeah. there. But you can make it feel and, that way too. I've 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 heard you I've heard you do the same thing where you can make it, you know, you can you can make it sit behind a little bit, relaxed. And it's it's a he was he he was a uh, just a major influence, major yeah. major major. Wow, ah, uh, Jeff. Yeah, we could talk about Jeff all day. I, I you know I mentioned the other day when I, I I I put the picture of you and me up on Facebook about just every year seeing you at the Yamaha Groove All Star Show was was such. A, I mean, all the all the great drummers who were, you know, all the guys that played. That and, was uh, that was such a what a night those events i don't know who you know if yamaha would ever put you know really put that out but man to talk about you know to you know to talk about the players that participated the you know the behind the scenes as yeah i don't, I don't know if they could see it on youtube but with, Guys are playing. Man, 
guys are like looking behind the, the, the curtain. You I know, know I know. Guys, and, you know. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> That's the, I, the, I, priceless. It was it was such a great hang. I remember being at those shows and you know when when you were up playing you know Rick, uh, Rick Murata or Russ Kunkel or JR they'd be back there like peeking behind the curtain watching and then Rick would be up playing and you guys would, you know it was it was such a, an amazing night of just amazing and, and, and music yeah and music and, and and I I know um there's a book that's coming out with uh, these thousands of pictures from Lissa Wales. And whenever that comes out, I advise every drummer to please get that book, man, because it's, it's, it's going to be amazing. And our friend Carlos Guzman is, is shepherding that whole project as we, as we know, and he's doing an amazing job with it. So big hand for Los for, for taking on that project. And yeah. And and a shout out, you know, I, they're probably not watching, but our friends at Yamaha that used to put that show on, uh, Joe Testa, Rick Murata was a big part of of pulling that together. He was the MC, uh, Jerry Andreas, yep. um, the whole gang, and and Hagi, of course, when Hagi was was there, and uh, and and you're right, there's a lot of that stuff. I mean, Hagi got a lot of it on on film. I know I've seen rough cuts of different shows, and 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 Los has put some of the stuff out there, so. Maybe someday it'll see the light of day, a, a Groove Night collective, you know? I hope so. Be great. So you so mentioned man, Diana. Too. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no. I was going to. I was going to ask you what. What? You just got a new kit. I did. I, you I see that? You that, put that up there. Yeah, that little blue sparkle set. Um, it's a little Japanese uh, '70s, late '60s, '70s, made in Japan, no name, made by Star. But it's to replicate the set my dad bought me in the Sears catalog in uh, 1972. So, yeah, yes. I, yeah, and and it's a you know mic'd up. It's a nice sounding little kit. I might take it out on a gig sometime. And um, I I'm not going to put the internal bass drum mic. I'm going to just mic it right. that way. But but it it sounds good. So, but thanks, Jerry. Yeah. And I I, I love when 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 you when you uh, put a kit up. <laughs> Anyway, I just, I just had to ask, man. Thank you, my friend. Thank you. Yeah, it's it's been fun to to play. You know, my wife thinks I'm. She said you. She said you're actually playing that set. I said, yeah. It was originally going to just kind of be to remember my dad, and I was going to just leave it somewhere. But I've been having fun playing it. So great. So it's, it's been fun. But um, but I was just going to say you mentioned Diana, and and that that leads to. At one point, I remember you would, you were playing with Stevie and Diana Ross, kind of at the same time. When yeah, double, I, I was double dipping. It, it, it just worked out for about <laughs> that's amazing four years. It, it worked out, and then there was one time uh, in two thousand and four, and I was with Diana, and I was in Italy, and then I got a call from Nate. Jerry, where are you? And I'm over in Italy with Diana. Uh-oh. <laughs> you know, I was to do some gigs over in London. <laughs> oh. So, yeah. 
No, it's a, it's a familiar story. I mean, you know, it's, it's cool that you had that much time where you were doing both of those huge iconic gigs, you know, and, and, uh, but you still work with Diana now kind of when things aren't crazy and yeah. Yeah. Yes. Uh, corporate uh, shows and, uh, you know, since co, you know, we, we were, we were in South Florida and I want to say on maybe like March 13th, uh, a good friend of mine, I think you know him, Rich DiClemente. Yes. He, in fact, he's watching. Yeah. Oh, Rich is watching. Okay. He, he's so watching. Rich, yeah. So, so, so anyway, Rich is, is and me, yeah. I'm a big sports fan. So I was down in South Florida and said, come on, man, let's, let's, uh, Let's take in an exhibition game. So we went to an exhibition game. Uh, it was uh, Washington Nationals, Houston Astros. And then next day, then it's like Boom. everything starts shutting yeah. down. So since that time, haven't you know nothing's happening with with Diana? We are to do a, a uh, her first gig uh 12th of february in orlando in this great hope that yeah. doesn't get canceled uh rehearsals will start uh very very soon so mm-hmm. there you just go just gonna ask you that so how much rehearsal were you guys haven't played in almost two years how much I wouldn't think you'd need even really that much rehearsal though. Probably. Right. I mean, I, probably not that much rehearsal, you know, it's, it's, it, you know, it, it's going to, you know, kind of like riding the bike. Yeah. Yep. Yep. You don't get on the bike. Okay. What, We're good. What a thrill it must be to play with Diana Ross. I mean, it's just, it's, you know, it's just another classic, yeah. you know, classic, you know, timeless music that, that, yeah. you know, say that about, you know, uh, uh, Diana and 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 Stevie that so many of those songs are the soundtracks of our lives. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, yeah. And it's like, man, what, the, what was I doing when that came out? Oh yeah, I was here and you know, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. But those, you know, but for the planet, those songs, and yeah. it's and it's amazing, you know, uh, you know, it, you know, different places in, uh, on the planet where they don't speak English, but they're out there humming the songs and whether they, you know, maybe they, they don't understand the, you know, the words or the lyrics, but they know the songs. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And how many, how many artists can we name that you turn on the radio and you hear those songs still in rotation? You know, Still like in rotation, in exactly. rotation, like 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 they're they're like they just came out and they're you know on the charts like they were fifty years ago. They're still played all the time. I mean, they're just ti- like you said, timeless. They're just timeless classics. Yeah, I, I could I could I could play Supreme songs. And I mean, I, not well. I'd play them lousy, but I could play them all night long for the rest of my life. Yeah, you know, <laughs> it, you know, it's almost you know. Is like Kelner, <laughs> Gad, <laughs> Gadsden, 
Yeah. Uh, Harvey Mason. Uh, Tony Williams. You, you know, and, and anyway, anyway, but, but, yeah, and, and, and by the, and who I replaced with, with, uh, with Stevie was Dennis Davis. Yes. Yeah. Because he was going on to, to Bowie. Right. So, yeah. Another I great. followed some, <laughs> some yeah. heavy duty cats. Yeah. You know, yeah. So, Dennis, he, it's he, a hot seat, and and yeah, yeah just, just one other thing I, I just want to say, and I know the drummers will will, will you know I, I'm sure they'll be happy that I said it, but just my acknowledgement is like when you get these gigs, you think of like how many I don't how many people would love to have my gig. <laughs> That's enough to make you humble. It's like I don't. You know, I I don't want to mess up and stuff yeah. like you know, yeah. you know. But yeah. how many people would love to have you? Yeah. So, may, for me, it made it 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 made me hum even more humble. So just that's you know that's, how I I got the situation came to me I, to be thankful and you know with gratitude. That's great advice, Jerry. No, that's, and you're right. That, that, that keeps you and, and other people grounded knowing that, 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 you know, I can't get all full of myself because there's, you know, a lot of, a lot of people would love to have this gig and got to just, you know, like you say, stay in the lane, do the job, any possibility before we let you go, any possibility you have a pair of sticks handy. We could just see a little twirl, like a little, Famous Jerry Brown signature. For anybody who hasn't seen this. And I know it's, it's yeah, not the I'll, same. I'll, 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 I'll take some of these. Don't mind the tape on them. But, it, right. but anyway, sometimes, sometimes I'll do them this way. And then sometimes I'll, I, I go backwards to, 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 to play the downbeat. So backwards, boom, boom. Oh, and yes, I have to give a shout out to uh, Drum and Bugle Corps. I saw okay uh, nineteen sixty three or sixty four. I'm showing my age. <laughs> uh, uh, Philadelphia Eagles were playing the Cleveland Browns halftime, and here come the Reading Buccaneers. And they were doing the backstick. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's serious, man. You know, and so my dad says, Oh, you want to go with me? Want to go with me to the concessions? Oh, no, 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 no. (laughs) No, 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 no. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's cool. Uh, And, you know, people watching at home, what what Jerry just did is amazing. But when you see when when you see you do that on a drum set, it's in the middle of a fill, in the middle of a song, in perfect time. It's mind blowing. And I, I, I've seen you do it a hundred times, but every time it's as cool as the first time I saw it. It's just. Thank just, you, man. Thank you. Thank the, the, the groove but, but never. As happened. you know, it's all about the groove because I know. don't lie. I know. I know. I was just going to say, and, 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 and that is what you're fixated on the whole time is the groove. You're, it's not the fact that you can do that and, and 
never lose that is just fantastic. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Jerry, thank you so much for doing this today. Any, anything else you want to pass along to folks before we, uh, we say goodbye? Something that I can't speak about it a lot, but there's a project that Nico McBrain and I are working on. Whoa. From different sides, but I think it's, I, I, I believe, I know it's going to be great. And uh, so, yes, uh, we're, Nico and I getting together on this project. It's been in the works. So we're going to get together sometime in, in uh, next month in February. And this should be out by September. Wow. Okay. Well, kind of coming from the different sides, but yeah, coming, you know, meeting and, Kind of, kind of out of out of our comfort zone, but it's going to work. I can't wait to see it. In fact, when we end the live stream and we're together in the in the room privately, I'm going to ask you what it is. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Okay. No, I won't put you on the spot. I'm just kidding, Jerry. <laughs> All good. Oh man, this has been so much fun. Thank you so much, Jerry, for doing this today. John. John, you you you're revered, man. Wow. You, 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 my friend, you. you. Well, I'm I'm giving you a, a giant virtual hug that I'm looking forward to giving you when I see you next time. Yes, yes, thank you. Yes, yes. And and I I know I speak for everybody everybody here when I say thanks for doing what you're doing and passing along the knowledge and the everything you know as you said paying it forward passing it on to the next generation and, uh, and, and sharing what, you know, that's. And, and, and John, the, my craziness with coming up with things and I see a young great drummer. Oh man. The drummer, drummer world is in good, you know, good hands and good feet. You're good. Yeah. Yep. Great. All right. Well, everybody, thanks so much for watching today. A big hand for Jerry Brown. Thank you, everybody. Friend. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And Jerry, hang tight. I'll end the stream, and then we'll uh, we'll say goodbye in the room. Okay. All right. Thanks again, Jerry. Thank you.